Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind, not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Please pray with me. To your Father in heaven, as we do every week, every day, we come before you and ask you to be here with us, and we trust that you are among us this morning. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. In a classic season two episode of what is apparently still the highest rated show on TV, the the Big Bang Theory. I sort of thought the moment for the Big Bang Theory had passed, uh, but it's a juggernaut, still number one. In this season two episode, a girl named Penny brings her friend Sheldon a Christmas present. Why would you do that? Sheldon exclaims angrily. I don't know. She says, because it's Christmas? Then Sheldon says, oh, Penny, I know you think you're being generous, but the foundation of gift giving is reciprocity. You haven't given me a gift. You've given me an obligation. Now, honey, it's okay, she says. You don't have to get me anything in return. Of course I do says Sheldon, the essence of the custom is that I now have to go out and purchase for you a gift of commensurate value representing the same perceived level of friendship as that represented by the gift you've given me. It's no wonder suicide rates skyrocket this time of year. What Sheldon is expressing here is something I think that we all feel, something that we all know Intimately. Reciprocity is what he calls it. We might call it two way love, tit for tat. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Another way to think of it is just as trying to keep the scales of our life in balance. We get very nervous if our scales start to tip too far, one side or the other. And we get especially nervous if they start to tip toward other people. Right, if we feel like we owe anyone anything, we try to clear the debts off our books as quickly as possible. Someone unexpectedly sends you a Christmas card, you get one in the mail back to them that same day, don't you? Someone does something nice for you, you start to subconsciously look for ways to even the score. We're all sort of like forensic accountants, you know, with Half moon, half moon glasses and green visors and adding machines, constantly taking stock of our lives, making sure our ledgers are in good order. We want to stay in the black. When we receive a gift, we make sure to send one back. This is the human condition. We are all like Sheldon. We turn gifts into obligations. Look, for instance, at what the Pharisees have done with the gift of the Sabbath. Recall that when the Sabbath was originally instituted, when the Lord rests 
after his creative work in Genesis chapter 2, and then commands later that we humans observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy when he gives the Ten Commandments. The Sabbath was supposed to be a day of rest. It was a gift to the people to protect them from themselves, to protect us from our insatiable desire to do, to achieve to accomplish, to make. There was supposed to be no working or earning on the Sabbath, only rest. But now look, Jesus' disciples are hungry, so as they walk through a field just on the move from one place to another, they pick a couple of heads of grain for a snack. Ah, 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 the Pharisees admonish. You're not supposed to be working on the Sabbath, and that counts. You're harvesting, and harvesting is work. You see what they're doing? They're turning something that was supposed to be about not working into work. Now you have to work to keep the Sabbath, which was supposed to be a gift about not having to work. And Jesus says, Come on, guys. Remember that the Sabbath was made for people. It was not the other way around. It's a gift. I made this for you, not to rule over you. And then, of course, the Pharisees immediately go and conspire with the Herodians, trying to figure out a way to destroy Jesus. Now, The first thing I want to say about this is that we can all sort of see the ridiculousness of this kind of legalism, right? I'm sure we all read this story and thought, that's sort of crazy. Clearly, the Pharisees are just out to get Jesus, and they're totally overreacting to what the disciples are doing, right? No one was actually going to confuse the disciples picking a few heads of grain with sort of a full-fledged harvesting operation. These are not the same things. And I don't really think, actually, that this kind of intentionally hyper-specific straw man legalism is really a problem in our church. I mean, I don't see a lot of you all camped out outside vestry members' houses to see if their child-rearing meets St. Paul's standards for church leadership in Titus chapter 1. We don't do that. Thank God. But the other thing, the thing under the thing, that happens every day. In every church. In every human heart. We take things that are supposed to be gifts and turn them into obligations. When I went away to college, my parents loaned me the money to buy a car. And I spent a couple of years paying them back in embarrassingly small increments. And then one day, and I remember this incredibly clearly, like it was yesterday, I was on the phone with my mother and Despite the fact that I still owed her several thousand dollars, which I didn't have, my mother on the phone said that she and my dad had been talking and that they had decided to forgive my debt. These are her exact words. We've decided to forgive your debt. 
to how did I react in the face of having my debt forgiven? Well, I reacted just like Sheldon did. I didn't have any witty sitcom things to say about reciprocity or obligations, but I felt it in my gut. My mother said that she wanted to forgive my debt, and I immediately felt overwhelmingly uncomfortable and like I wanted to get off the phone as fast as possible. Why? Wasn't I happy? Wasn't I grateful? Shouldn't I have like, tried to reach through the phone line and hug her for her generosity? Wasn't it a relief not to have to pay back all that money? Well, sure, I was relieved that I wouldn't have to pay it back. I was happy to be out from under the debt. But here's the thing. Not as happy as I would have been if I had paid it off myself. You see, my scales were all of a sudden out of balance. She had, without knowing it, robbed me of my ability to do my part, which I held very dear. And now I felt like I owed her something fierce. And since a simple thank you over the phone didn't seem like it could possibly be enough, I just wanted to get out of there. I couldn't adequately repay, so I wanted to escape. At the time, all I knew was that I felt uncomfortable. But in hindsight, I realized that the reason I wanted to get out of there was that I wanted to be able to come back to my mom with something to even the scales some extravagant thank you or reciprocal gift, a gift that would put our scales back in balance. I had turned a gift that I'd been given, like that, into an obligation. And this is the nefarious result of our human propensity to turn gifts into obligations. When that's our impulse, to turn a gift into an obligation, and then we get a really good gift, we reflexively want to get away from the gift giver. We want to escape. Their, their generosity makes us feel bad about ourselves. And it works the same with Jesus. If we see the gift of Jesus Christ, his, his grace, his love, his obedience, his very life for ours as setting any kind of obligation on us. Well, we're workers. We will at first work hard to repay. After all, what a gift. But his gift, unlike a car loan or a Christmas present, unlike literally anything else in the history of the world, is impossible to repay. It's worth too much. His faithfulness given to you. His righteousness given to you. His life given for you. When we get an impossibly good gift, we freak out. 
At the end of that episode of the Big Bang Theory, Sheldon has a plan. He's prepared to properly reciprocate no matter what Penny's gift to him might be. He's gone out and he's purchased four different sizes of gift baskets from Bath and Body Works. He's hidden them away in his room, and when Penny gives him her gift, his plan is to excuse himself, look up the value of her gift online, and give her the corresponding basket. The scales will be even, and all will be well. But Penny messes the whole thing up. She gives Sheldon a napkin autographed by his idol, Leonard Nimoy, the actor who plays Spock on Star Trek. But then it turns out that it's not just that. Nimoy actually wiped his mouth with the napkin, so Sheldon has the DNA of Leonard Nimoy. And as he observes, all he needs now is a healthy ovum and he can grow his own Leonard Nimoy. But you can see Sheldon's problem. Penny's gift is too good. He doesn't have enough baskets to even the scales. And he's totally thrown for a loop. He doesn't know what to do. And we are totally thrown for a loop, too. We don't know what to do when we comprehend the immeasurable glory and generosity of God's free gift to us in Christ. How can we ever repay it? What kind of thank you could ever be enough? This is the gift that we're celebrating with these beautiful children this morning. At baptism, we are welcomed into Christ's family as a wonderful free gift that we did nothing to deserve. And what an amazing gift it is. We are, we are awed by it. As John Newton wrote in Amazing Grace, how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. How precious it is that first hour when you just bask in it. But then the hours start to pile up. As we get older, the gift threatens to become more and more like an obligation. It's easy as we become responsible adults to think more about how to repay Christ's gift than to just revel in it. And if we're not careful, the obligation to repay can calcify in our hearts. And we start, subconsciously of course, to try to get away from the gift giver. It goes something like, nice gift, but what do you want from me? What strings are attached? Are you happy with what I've done with your gift? And over time, it becomes something like, how dare you give me such a gift? Were you trying to make me feel bad? Ask someone who was raised in the church but never goes anymore. You'll hear some version of this story. 
they made me feel bad. God made me feel bad. What I thought was a gift turned out to be an obligation. And so, like Sheldon with Penny, like me on the mom on the phone with my mom, when the gift turns into an obligation, we try to escape from the gift giver. And we need to short-circuit this cycle. This is why we come to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ week after week. I just heard it so profoundly at a funeral this week. That sweet, good news that Paul proclaims in Romans 8 when he says, If God is for us, who can be against us? Then he starts describing the gift. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will He not also with him graciously give us all things. What a gift. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us, says Paul, from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Who or what shall separate us from the love of Christ? The Pharisees in that field thought that a couple of heads of grain could separate the disciples from the love of God. And Jesus says, no. Even a full-scale harvesting operation couldn't do that. Not tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. Nothing Not even a cataclysmic failure to uphold your obligations can separate you from Christ's love. This gift carries no obligation. This is Jesus' message in that field to those Pharisees, and it is his message to you this morning. Stop taking stock of your obligations. You'll never get anywhere that way. The scales of your life will forever be out of balance. The gift is too good. So stop consulting the scales. The Sabbath was made for humankind, it is a gift. Rest. Rest in Christ's gift to you. You, today, are more than a conqueror. But not because of your ability to fulfill your obligations. You are more than a conqueror through him who loved you. Through Christ who gave himself for you. Christ's gift to you is pure. It's free and clear. There are no strings attached. In him, there are no obligations. 
Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Today, and on his account every day, is your Sabbath day. It was made for you. So rejoice in it and rest. Amen.